I think as we're all sheltered in place and inside, you know, and we long for people, I think we realize just how more important community is. And, you know, whether it's just friends and family or just a larger community of social clubs where you go and you meet people and you talk about things you love, I think once restrictions are removed, I think you're going to see a real increase in the amount of clubs people join. You're listening to Investing for Good, a show that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. And now, here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, Julie, how are you? I'm doing good, Annie. I am just so excited about this episode today because we got to talk about travel. And I have been itching to get on the road and get to Hawaii and do my trip and everything, like really itching to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was so fun to um, talk about traveling and um, and all the fun stuff like that. So I'm curious, did you travel a lot as a kid? I did. I did because my mother worked for the airlines. Mm -hmm. And so growing up, I mean, I have memories flying standby, of course, and uh, having back in the days you had to get dressed up. And so I would wear like little patent leather, like heeled (laughs) shoes with like tights and stuff. Um, And yeah, and it was, um, yeah, and just traveling all over. I mean, I remember going to New Zealand and Korea and uh, Japan and China and Canada, Vancouver. I mean, we went everywhere. Wow. Uh, and I feel like when my kids over the, or my kids, my, my, when my um, friends were, you know, doing summer school or they were still in school, I was doing a bunch of travel. And so for me at a very early age, you know, before the age of 10, I had been all over the world. And it was something I hated back then Mm. because I had to leave my friends and they Mm. would all talk about spring break or, you know, summer school, but I got to go traveling. And now I feel like it's such a big part of who I am. So. Yeah, I know. I know. Sort of the same. I, I, I traveled a lot as a kid as well. We didn't have a lot of money, so we didn't fly a lot of places, but we drove a lot of places. Uh (laughs) Um, So we took a lot of road trips and same. I wasn't really like, as a kid, I wasn't like, oh my gosh, I can't wait to travel. My kids these days, thankfully they are, they love to travel. But when I was a kid, Mm -hmm. I was like, eh, you know, I'd just as much rather stay home and watch TV, Uh you know? Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but um yeah yeah, i'm i'm super excited this conversation that we had with um, nomadic matt uh, matt kepnes he's a best-selling author um, of how to travel the world on 50 dollars a day he's been traveling Mm -hmm. full-time for years and he runs his business nomadic matt from anywhere in the world that he is and it's just incredible how he didn't travel as a kid he didn't travel very much at all and then after college he really sort of fell into it he you know tried a small trip on his own and really got hooked and turned this into a full-time thing it's amazing Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one of the things that he said early in the, 
in the episode was about, you know, working a full-time job and having such a regimented schedule and how, you know, when you travel, that travel is anything but that. And that was kind of how he discovered his passion for travel. And um, I remember too, when I was in my early twenties and um, I was in between jobs and I had gone and just traveled around and went to Japan for a week and went to Maui and I kind of just traveled all over and I too discovered that same sort of freedom of, you know, the days kind of are however you want it to be. And I think that is what fuels so much of my love and passion for travel with my family and my kids now. So Mm -hmm. it's great. And I love one of the things I love about traveling with family, you know, when my kids were babies, um, people were like, how are you traveling with a six month old? That seems horrible, you know, and I would, I would say, you know what, when I um, traveling with a baby, there's, you know, often you have to improvise. There's no Mm -hmm. changing table. There's no set place for your diapers. You have to just figure it out on the go. Mm -hmm. And I love Mm -hmm. that, especially when you come home and you're like, oh, I do have a set place for the diapers and my wipes are laid out for me. Oh, this isn't so bad. It sort of puts things in perspective. Yeah. Um, Yeah. But anyway, without further ado, here is our conversation with Matt Kepnes of nomadicmat.com. Matt, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. Thanks for having me. Of course. Now, Matt, I'm so excited to dive in today um, and pick your brain. But for 10 years now, I know that you've been a world traveler. You've traveled to over 100 countries, which I can barely wrap my mind around, traveled hundreds of thousands of miles, slept in over a thousand hostels, and learned multiple languages, all of which is absolutely incredible. And on top of that, your blog, nomadicmat.com, brings in over $750,000 a year. So I got to ask, how did you get started in this crazy adventure? Did you just travel a ton as a kid? Did you go all over the world? Did you always imagine yourself living a nomadic lifestyle? Or how did all of that come about? Um, I didn't really grow up uh, in a travel family. We... We went on a cruise once. <laughs> um, <laughs> that's about as as we got. We drive down a lot to see my grandma and grandpa in Florida. But other than that, that was really it. You know, it wasn't until I started traveling in 2006 that I you know, even went across the country. So mm-hmm. I didn't really grow up in an environment where travel was important. It wasn't something many of my friends did. You know, in college, I had one friend who did study abroad. I have everybody I knew in college. He was the only person that, yeah. Most of my friends didn't even go to like Mexico for, you know, crazy spring break. And so it wasn't until after I graduated and had a job and, you know, had that two weeks vacation time that I decided to, you know, start traveling. That's what mm. you're supposed to do, right? You know, right. Like, you have two weeks vacation, you have a 401k, like that's what adults do. Yeah. So you grow up, you don't, you don't travel a ton. You don't see people around you traveling a ton. You graduate college, you get a job with this luxurious two week (laughs) vacation. (laughs) So where did you decide to, to go for your first vacation? Uh, I went to Costa Rica. I, I was trying to go to Australia with friend Joe, but he backed out. And so I ended up on this tour company's website for a two-week trip to Costa Rica. And 
I ended up booking it. I forget how I found that website. Probably was just searching random like tour companies. And I went and it was the best two weeks. You know, it was really, you know, when you have a corporate office job kind of thing, your life is pretty scheduled and travel is anything but scheduled. So I, I really loved the, the random nature of the road where you're, you're, you're the captain of your own ship and you can really do anything you want. And so um, I sort of fell in love with travel and I understood why everybody loved their vacation, you know, and talk about it with such reverence. <laughs> what kind of work were you doing after college? I worked in healthcare, low level, administrative, clerical stuff. I had a couple of different jobs in this hospital I worked at. I, I moved around positions, but nothing really exciting. So I'm curious, at what point did you, so you took that two week vacation and then at what point were you like, okay, this is, uh, forget the job, forget the traditional nine to five. Like I'm going to go make a career out of this, or I'm going to go do like, how did you get from where you were to like where you are now? What was that, that defining moment? Do you feel like? I think it was probably around 2010, 2011, where I really moved from just having like a hobby blog into something that I was going to do full time. And, you know, it happened by chance. You know, none of this was, I'm going to have a service blog. It's going to become a business and we're going to make money from it. I'm going to have employees and blah, blah. It was just, I had a blog. I enjoyed blogging. I wanted to make money online simply because I wanted to keep traveling. So I had a lot of like ad sense, like Google ad websites um, back in the day. And this was just that sort of side hustle that just grew and grew and grew. And so I was like, well, do this full time. Yeah. Wait, so 2006, you go on this two-week trip to Costa Rica. You get home. You continue your, your job, your corporate job. And then 2010, you turn this blog into full time. Well, what happened between 2006 and 2010? Were you traveling more, more and more regularly? Yeah. So, I mean, in 2006, I... I put my job to go travel the world for what was supposed to be a year, but it ended up being 18 months. And when I came home, I ended up creating the website because I had a temp job and I had a lot of time on my hands. And so my sister graduated college that year. So once she graduated, I went away again. And then I just kept traveling. And so, you know, I had this website as a side thing. I taught English in Asia for a bit. And then it wasn't until about 2010 that I was making enough from the website that it could be a full-time thing. Back then, gosh, I remember 2006, seven, and eight. I don't know that I knew anybody who was making money from a blog. Did you know that that was a, a thing that people were doing, or did you just sort of just started as a side, you know, a side thing, thinking it was going to be a hobby, and then you started realizing that you could make money from it? Yeah, I mean, back in the day, you know, people just made a lot of money from um, running marketing websites. So you have a website that would, let's say, like, how to train your beagle. And you create all these websites and you just throw a bunch of Google ads on them. And people would click, you know, and it was really easy to rank high on Google. But there were a few bloggers, just like pure bloggers, who made good money. You know, there's some of them aren't around, but like, you know, uh, some of them are like pro blogger and the blog guests. Tim Ferriss, you know, um, so there were people making money back then. Um, not as much because it was still very much a, an art thing that was uncorrupted by influencers and all that stuff. 
2010, like such an interesting time to be trying to figure out how to make money (laughs) because it was like, you know, 2008 and nine were at the bottom of the market. Everybody, businesses are shutting down, everyone's closing. And yet you found a way to make money off of the internet and enough to travel the world and replace your income. Like that's, that's pretty amazing. I mean, were you like, was it a ton of like fun? Were you just like, Oh my gosh, like I'm, I know exactly what I'm doing. Were you, or was it just like, wow, I got lucky or kind of what did that look and feel like for you? Well, you know, in crisis, there is opportunity, but again, my, my goals back then, you know, I just wanted to keep traveling. I mean, I didn't really know what I wanted as a career. Um, I just wanted to know, I didn't want to do temp work anymore. So I, I went and I back to Asia to teach and start, you know, then I started learning about this whole, like, you can make money online by running these stupid websites that basically did nothing but get people to click ads. So I started that. And that's where I really learned a lot about SEO and sort of the online space. And I, and I brought that knowledge into my blog and then it just sort of took off. You know, I mean... COVID aside, you know, even in a recession, people travel. In fact, if anything, people are more price sensitive because they have less money. So, you know, being a budget traveler and ranking really high in Google and talking about that was really helpful in growing everything. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more about that. You know, how in those days or even now, you know, how do you decide where you're going to travel to. And then, I mean, I assume you know much more now than you did when you started. But back then, how did you set about creating a budget or finding places that you could stay frugally? Um, How did you make all those plans so that you can continue to travel? Um, Back in those days, it was guidebooks all the way. You know, I mean, there were very (laughs) few blogs and... Mm, Physical uh, books. Physical books, (laughs) yeah. Lots of forums, but you just talk to other travelers. I mean, it's the same thing people do and could still do now if they wanted to, but they tend to just be hooked on their phone. Mm-hmm. But I mean, mm-hmm. I still pick guidebooks. <laughs> so after Costa Rica, then what was the next trip? And then how did you decide where in the world you wanted to go? I went to Thailand. I wanted to go with a friend and he says I suggested Thailand. But I say he suggested Thailand, so we remember the story differently. But we both agree I originally wanted to go to the Galapagos, and he did not want to go. So we ended up in Thailand, and uh, it was there that I started to meet backpackers. I mean, that was like really the first time I had met them. Uh, and so I was really intrigued by this lifestyle of just sort of endless travel. And I hated my job, and I thought, you know, I was getting an MBA at the time. I knew I was going to work in healthcare. So I figured, what if I quit my job, went to school full-time rather than part-time, and then went traveling for a year, got it out of my system, took my gap year kind of thing, and mm-hmm. then got a real job. And well, I mean, I have a real job, but the other stuff never happened. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> so tell us, okay, you started the blog sort of as a side thing, and then it became a full-time thing around 2010. Well, I, I want to ask you about how it's how it's running now. But what did your what did your family think? What did your parents think when you know they obviously they didn't take you to travel a bunch as a kid? Now you're like 
I'm going to travel full time. I'm going to have this blog. I'm going to make money from this. I'm not going to work a corporate job. Did your parents think you were just out of your mind or were they supportive? My parents didn't think I had a real job up until my first book came out. So, I mean, my parents still don't quite understand what I do, but <laughs> they don't actually, my mom can't even log into Facebook, so it's not really a shocker. Um, so, but it wasn't until like, they saw a couple of tax returns and my book came out. They were like, oh, I guess this is like an actual profession. <laughs> so. so I'm curious, uh, you know, you, you talked a little bit earlier about how, you know, in crisis comes opportunity. And so in are, do you have any plans to somehow leverage COVID-19 and everything that's happening to maybe do something different in the travel space or create anything different or uh, anything like that? Um, honestly, we're going to start doing events. Okay. I know that's a weird thing to say, given that nobody can meet each other. But I think if you realize anything, you know, I live in an in industry that requires human movement to function. If nobody's going anywhere, he can't travel. It's not like gardening or cooking or learning a language. You have to be on the move. And so if anything, this, this experience has taught me is that we rely so much on, say, affiliate revenue or Google, you don't really build a, a brand and community of people that will be there in the tough times um, that you can sort of lean on through, you know, products and courses or, you know, donations or Patreon. And so, you know, we had started to make this shift last year to doing more live events and more in-person meetups and creating sort of like a global travel club. And if anything, COVID has only maybe want to like triple down on that. Hmm. And, you know, I mean, these are small meetups, so like 10, 20 people. Mm-hmm. But having that community and that brand, I think, is even more important. I think as we're all sheltered in place and inside, you know, and we long for people, I think we realize just how more important community is. And, you know, whether it's just friends and family or just a larger community of social clubs where when you go and you meet people and, talk about things you love i think once restrictions are removed i think you're gonna see a real increase in the amount of clubs people join Hmm. because we're going to be so deprived of human human contact we'll get back to our conversation with matt in just a minute have you been thinking about investing in real estate but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. 
We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day. Because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now, back to our chat with Matt Kepnes. I'm curious to kind of transition a little bit into talking about how one, and I don't know if you'd have any insight on this, but how one with three kids and a husband might be able to navigate um, this potential, you know, traveling abroad on, you know, $50 a day. Is that possible? Have you worked with families like that? Um, just kind of curious how that all works with schooling and, uh, you know, health insurance and, and any of that. Any tips there? Well, uh, you know, I mean, travel insurance, as, as many people have found out, doesn't cover pandemics. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as it turns out, well, you know, people need to read their fine print. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm shocked. I'm like, well, it's been in there since the dawn of time. Um, you know, if you're worried about insurance, there are companies like uh, I Am Global mm-hmm. uh, that offers basically worldwide healthcare. You know, it's it's like what you get, you know, from Aetna, but for the world, homeschooling. I mean, it's a huge thing, and they have world schooling, which is how, how people do it. I think there's a website is called worldschooling.com. Mm-hmm. So there are many resources. I mean, you wouldn't be the first family who decided to, you know, take their kids and go travel the world. You know, there's countless blogs and conferences and Facebook groups, Instagrammers and resources online. So when I started this whole thing, there wasn't a lot of information online. But if anything, there's so much information online. Like there's too much because now it's like, how do I sift through it all? Whereas before, there's like two websites on world schooling. You're like, they were last updated in 1996. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> there, was a, there was a website I used when I started. It was called Backpacking Europe. And it was this girl's website. And it was just all about her study abroad trip. And I mean, it was a you know, really simple HTML website. I always wonder what happened to that website. I can never find it. Typed in all versions of the domain name. It just doesn't exist. But I wonder whatever happened to that. Because it was a really good website. But that was, you know, what you had. You know, and mm-hmm. you know, even then when I was looking for things in two thousand five, two thousand six, before I went on my trip, then that site was a couple of years old. But nowadays, millions of pieces of content are dropped online, you know, every day. And so you're only limited by the desire to step out the door, not a lack of information. Yeah, absolutely. I know. Tell me about it. It's like information overwhelm out there. You know, there's so much these days. So it's almost like it's it's hard to know where to get started. But I want to talk a little bit about the the funding aspect of this travel. I think a lot of people, when they think about traveling the world, they think, oh my gosh, it's got to be so expensive, all these flights and hotels and all this stuff. So how do you do it on $50 a day? And what would you recommend for people who want to undertake something like this, where they're either traveling full time or traveling for several months at a time? 
Well, when you think about a $50 a day number, it's sort of uh, a daily average, right? And that includes your flights and insurance and all that. Uh, but if you think about your life, how much money do you spend per day? I can tell you I spend nothing today. Well, I've spent like 10 bucks. I, I went for lunch, right? But really, I've probably spent 60, 70 when you factor in my rent, my tra- right. my car insurance, my car payment, bills and all that stuff, right? I mean, mm-hmm. we don't think of that money when we're, when we're talking about how much we spend per day, but it's actually, you know, there. And so if you add up your entire cost of living, you know, $50 a day is 18,250 bucks, right? That's cheaper than most people live. I mean, that's like, for a lot of people, you know, that's sometimes the rent, car insurance and all that stuff rolled into one, right? But this is everything. And so when you start to travel, you realize that the world isn't that expensive, that public transportation is cheap, going grocery shopping is cheap, hostels are cheap, there's happy hours everywhere. And so you lose, it's basically like thinking about all the money you spend day to day without those sunk costs that you kind of just push out of your mind. So food, drinks, you know, going out, all those things you do, uh, that you consider spending, that's all you're spending. Not like that plus rent and all that other stuff. And so, you know, the world is a lot cheaper than people think um, because, you know, every, if you want to go to Paris, people in Paris aren't spending $500 a day eating food and, you know, drinking and doing all that stuff. Even if you want to factor in rent as a cost. Every day people live a normal life, you know, they, they don't spend a lot of money. And if you do that, if you travel like you live, you're inherently not going to spend a lot of money. Especially once you take away all those like crazy costs, you know. Mm-hmm. When you go backpack or, or just travel the world, your car payments go away. And with it, the insurance costs and the gas costs. And so, you know, I mean, that opens up five, six hundred bucks a month. Right. I think that's key, what you said there. Travel like you live. I think a lot of people miss that piece. Julie and I travel regularly with our kids, and we try to do it long term when we can. So we'll see how this summer shakes out. But (laughs) Julie is planning on spending a couple months in Hawaii, and uh, we're planning on spending a month in France. Is it easier, would you say, when you slow travel? to live on a budget or would you say that you can do it you can live on $50 a day or a, a small budget or frugally even if you travel every day from one place to another uh, the faster you travel the more it's going to cost you know because you're just driving up your transportation costs and then if you're traveling a lot and like if you're moving one place to another i mean you know you're going to probably have a lot more meals on the go and that's going to be pricier than say you know, staying one place for a while and buying some groceries. And so slow travel is a much cheaper way to travel because you can dollar cost that, you know, everything out a little more. And it just, you're not spending as much money on transportation. You know, if you're in one city for a week, you can, you know, even if you're in Paris, you can just go buy some groceries. So you don't have to eat out every meal, right? And, and if you're, if you're moving Train station food, you know, airport food, that's more expensive than anything else. So even if you have a cheap sandwich at the airport, you're still spending a ton of money. 
Um, <laughs> so yeah, slow travel is much better. Mm-hmm. I want to switch gears for a minute and talk a little bit more about your business. So a lot of our listeners either invest in real estate or they have businesses of their own. So the business that you've built, obviously travel is very important to you. How have you been able to build your business and scale your business so that you've been still able to travel? Well, you know, I I work remote. I mean, one of the benefits of running a website is that it can be done anywhere. So I always had that natural ability to, you know, be able to do it from anywhere. But one of the things that I've done I mean, that's really helped is the fact that, you know, I have a team of people. I think it's really important to, to hire out as quickly as possible because you can't do everything, especially when you travel. You know, one of the lessons I learned the hard way is that if you're going to work and travel at the same time, one of them is going to suffer. So it's always better to A, get somebody else to do the work, but B, slow travel because you know maybe every like fourth day you just work straight but so developing a schedule and hiring out has really helped Mm -hmm. not trying to do both both at the same time that way you know you can be fully focused on the task at hand and tell us about your investments before we started recording we were talking about how you invest or you have a commercial property so tell us a little bit more about that and how that came about I own a well I co-own a hostel in Austin and my friend started the hostel and uh, I always wanted to do it too so I just said well I'd like to invest in it and so we invested together and now we own the house so it's a commercial real estate here in Austin. It wasn't anything like I'm going to buy a rental property and become a landlord or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess in some ways I'm a landlord. But it's, a, <laughs> it's a hospitality <laughs> business, but um, no, it, it was just, we leased it and then we had the opportunity to buy and we took it. Mm. And how big is it? I have no idea. I mean, I can tell you how many beds. I have no idea how big the lot <laughs> Oh, yeah. Acre, oh, yeah. I mean, you got me. Well, how many how many beds is it, or how many rooms? It's a full size house that we converted oh, into okay, a hostel. Okay. So got it. Yeah. Okay. It's got a big lot in the back for six cars, so I have no idea. Yeah. Well, very cool. That's that is very cool, and it's so in line with everything that you value. And Austin is such a cool place to go. So you're telling me if I go to Austin, I can stay in Nomadic Matt's hostel. That's pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. I mean, it's not called Nomadic Matt's hostel, but yeah. Yes. And I'm sure many of our listeners are curious, how has COVID-19 impacted particularly that hostel? Let's start there. Well, uh, it's been closed. So okay. since all these businesses are shut down by the city, um, it's been empty since uh, early March, mm-hmm. so about two months now. And what do you foresee will be the impact long-term after all of this sort of settles down and we get back to, quote, normal? You know, what will travel look like um, for the hostel, for your business, for your own personal travel? How, will, how do you think the pandemic will impact all of that? You know, it's going to be um, a lot smaller, uh, you know, Travel is, travel is going to be a smaller thing for the foreseeable future. And um, What do you mean by small? 
you're going to see less people on the road. You're going to see fewer people traveling. And I mean, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. Overtourism was the talk of the town, so to speak, in the industry uh, for many years as destinations just couldn't handle the crowds. And so I think as cities rebuild in a more sustainable way, you know, those massive amounts of crowds are just going to go away. And I think that's a good thing. Um, you know, so you can build travel in the more sustainable. And I think that's, that's good. So for somebody who's, who might be listening in now, who's thinking, oh my gosh, this sounds amazing. I want to be able to travel once uh, the restrictions are lifted and we can go out again. You know, how can somebody um, plan a, a trip around the world or plan to do full-time travel like this? What do you mean? Like, what's the, where would you recommend that they start? Should they start with saving up a certain amount of money? Should they start by making a list of all their dream countries? Where, you know, what's the first step? You know, I think the first step is really, is the money. You know, it's nice to plan everything. You know, you can buy a bunch of guidebooks and, and then plan destinations. But I always recommend people get a handle on their finances write a list of all your expenses and see what you can cut and start, you know, figure out how long, how much you can save and how long it would take to go away. Because when you go traveling, all your plans go out the window anyway, and you end up, you know, going all these various ways. So you don't really want to over plan the destinations too much. So it's really just more about like save the biggest pile of money you can. And then when you feel like you've saved enough, start thinking about, okay, where am I going to go? Because once you start going on a long-term trip, you know, for like a year, you're going to end up changing all your plans. You know I mean? You're going to be like, I'm going to go through Europe. And then after like two months, you'll be like, you know, I actually want to go to Asia now. You know, and then <laughs> you're going to say, I'm going to spend three months in Thailand. And you're going to hate Thailand. And then off, you're going to go to <laughs> Cambodia for a week. And then five months later, you're still in Cambodia. Uh, so... You know, it's more about the money than the destination plan. Mm, that's sage advice. I love it. All right. Should we move into our investing for good impact round? Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, all right. So we're going to ask you three questions around um, investing in the world and yourself and others. So the first question is around investing in yourself. So what is one way that your investments are helping you to live a better life? I guess, do you mean like cash investments? Yeah, like any investments that you've made, whether it's a time investment or a money investment, how are the investments that you've made in your life like helping you know you to live maybe a more um, uh, you know successful life or a more fulfilling life? Anything along those lines? I would say you know that by freeing up time and cash, I can live life on my own terms. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it is the reason why I ended up you know, traveling because I, I want to just do whatever I want to do unrestricted. And, you know, by investing in myself and creating a business, I, I have that opportunity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what a lot of our guests on the show say about their investments is it just creates that flexibility and that time freedom. So, yeah. Um, okay. Second one is investing in others. So what is one 
usually we ask an investment strategy, but in your case, what is one like maybe life hack or travel hack that you might want to share with the audience that could be really useful for them? A good life hack. <laughs> um, always buy travel insurance. <laughs> um, and make sure pandemics are covered. <laughs> yeah. I think a good life hack is, is to schedule out your, your free time mm-hmm. in your, your entire day. Like it seems weird to be like, wake up at this time. But I think, especially when you can, it's very easy to get caught up in the busy trap mm-hmm. and not end up having time for yourself. And so even just a simple thing like 30 minute Netflix, like, you know, you, you know I'm going to have, always going to have the time for the things I want if I schedule it. And, you know, I know I'm always going to have time to, you know, go cook because it's right there in the schedule. It's already been planned out. And so I don't really even think that takes away from like the spontaneity because I know like sometimes I'll just write fun time. Mm-hmm. That can be whatever I want, but I know when work stops and when work starts and I know like I'll always have time to do whatever I want to do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. I live by that. Annie, you know, I'm a scheduler. If it's not on my calendar, it doesn't happen. And, uh, pretty much everything down to work and free time and time with my kids. It's all, it's all in there. Um, so that's a good one. All right. Last one is around investing in the world. So what is one way that your investments are helping to make the world a better place? Uh, well, as part of the website, we have a community charity called flight mm-hmm. foundation for learning youth travel education. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we want to raise the send high school students on study abroad trips so that they get out of their community and learn about the world while also seeing a practical uh, application for their education. So uh, really helping kids, you know, see that the world is full of possibility. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. You've sort of come full circle from, you know, you setting out on your world adventures for yourself, really discovering the world, really discovering your passion for travel, and now inspiring that in the next generation. I love it. So what is the best place beyond nomadicmat.com, of course, for people to go to learn more about you and to connect with you? Size Nomadic Matt. I mean, we're Nomadic Matt on all social media channels. So really just type in where, where, where your preferred platform, backslash Nomadic Matt, and you'll find me there. Uh, and the charity website is uh, takeflight.org, uh, L-Y-T-E. Okay. Well, we'll have links to all of that in the show notes. Matt Kepnes, creator of nomadicmat.com. Thank you so much for being here with us today, Matt. Thank you. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Investing for Good, the number one podcast for people like you who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com slash podcast. And be sure to join the Investing for Good Facebook community. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations every week. Until next time, keep investing for good.